0: Does Miguel O'Hara have a dark secret in Across the Spider-Verse? Welcome back to Nerdist News. I'm Dan Casey and today we're gonna obviously talk about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. The sequel to 2018's Into the Spider-Verse opened on Friday to widespread critical acclaim and a massive return at the box office. Earning $120.5 million at the domestic box office, Across the Spider-Verse is the second biggest opening weekend of the year, just behind Mario. Woohoo! The midpoint of the Spider-Verse trilogy is easily one of the best movies of the year. It delivers a jaw-dropping sequel with hundreds of Spider-People, deep-cut Easter eggs, and unexpected cameos. Yeah. Oh, Oh, sorry. sorry. But what we're most fascinated by today is a theory about one of the film's main antagonists. And no, not the spot. Rather, we're talking about Miguel O'Hara. Calling Spider-Man 2099 an antagonist might be a bit of a stretch, or maybe it isn't if this theory is to be believed. We're going to break it all down for you in just a moment, but to do so, we have to spoil what happens in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So if your spoiler sense is tingling, make a break for it, because unlike Bonesaw, you aren't ready. Bonesaw is Okay, let's get into it, shall we? According to the theory, which we spotted via Looper and was posited by Redditor Swindle4587 and Average Andre, Miguel O'Hara isn't who he says he is, and not just because he's on the record as having committed identity theft. Rather, he could have a connection to another group of multiversal villains, the Inheritors. Now, for those who don't know, the Inheritors slowly appeared on the spider scene over the course of 15 years or so. Their leader, Moreland, first appeared in 2001's Amazing Spider-Man Number 30. The larger group appeared in 2009's Spider-Man The Darkest Hours, and then they made their triumphant first full appearance as a shadowy organization in 2014's Superior Spider-Man Number 33. The Inheritors are a group of interdimensional hunters. They seek out people with connections to animal totems. And in the Marvel universe, these are beings with powerful abilities that connect mankind to the animal kingdom, like Spider-Man. He does whatever a spider can. And also whatever a man can, (laughs) which is paying rent. Anyway, they began hunting down avatars of the spider totem in particular due to its connection to the web of life and destiny. That is the web of fate that connects all realities across the multiverse. And while we didn't see Master Weaver or Madame Webb in this movie as they appear in the comics, Miguel O'Hara's AI assistant Lila did create some visualizations of what appears to be the web of life and destiny inside the Spider Society's headquarters. This gave us a much better representation of how the Spider-Verse connects all of the different spider people across the multiverse. It's kind of like the TVA's handy training videos on Loki, except the Spider Society probably has a bone to pick with the TVA because they're not very good at their jobs. Besides, Miguel is already pissed at Doctor Strange and that little nerd back on Earth 1999-99 for what they did to the multiverse. Now, quick aside before I get back into it, maybe we actually did see Master Weaver, the go-back machine, the one that sends Miles and other people back to their dimensions. It kind of looks like Master Weaver in the comics, so who knows? Anyway, how does all of this tie back into Spider-Man 2099 having a dark secret? Well, the idea is that Miguel looks pretty drastically overhauled from what we saw in the post credit scene of Into the Spider-Verse. He's also immediately introduced as being some sort of vampire Spider-Man, which some fans use to draw a parallel with multiversal baddies like Moreland and the Inheritors because in the comics, they have pronounced canines very similar to vampires, and that fits their MO of sucking totem bearers dry to glurp their powers. However, with that said, Spider-Man 2099 also pretty famously has some gnarly fangs, and they could easily be conflated with a vampire. Because in the comics, spider DNA was inadvertently spliced into Miguel's genetic code when his supervisor tried to murder him by sabotaging a complex procedure. You know, because comics. Anyway, the result left Miguel with some pretty gnarly claws and fangs that he can use to slice through enemies and inject them with a paralyzing venom, respectively, but not respectfully. Forensic dentistry aside, though, could Miguel O'Hara be secretly working with another group of people hunting down superpowered people across the multiverse? I mean, yeah, of course, anything's possible, but it does seem like a bigger stretch than Wanda turning Reed Richards into human spaghetti in Multiverse of Madness. Ah! While I originally loved the idea of having the inheritors be the true villains of the Spider-Verse trilogy, that was before Across the Spider-Verse turned a D-list villain like The Spot from villain of the week into an Akira-esque godlike being capable of destroying entire worlds out of anxiety and spite alone. They really turned one of the goofiest characters in Marvel Comics into one of the scariest villains in Spider-Man's rogues gallery. To introduce an even more complicated secret society of villains at this stage would be more ham-fisted than Peter Porker. It would undermine the central themes of the movie because what would that big reveal even be? That all the other spider people were other inheritors that killed and replaced existing spider people to steal their powers? They picked a pack of Peter Parker's to plunder and propagate, I don't buy it. Especially when we've seen the direct consequences that altering canon can have in Mumbatton and in Miguel's own backstory. Across the Spider Verse weaves an intricate coming of age story that forces Miles into a number of life or death battles. Obviously, Miles' biggest conflict is trying to stop the spot. His seemingly silly superpower has major multiversal consequences and could lead to the deaths of everyone that Miles knows and loves. The other battle is against Miguel and the members of the Spider Society. Now, on its face, Miguel and the Spider Society view Miles as a potential thorn in their side. Miles goes against the very notion of canon. Miles' biggest Battle in this movie is arguably against the idea that his destiny is already written. It's predetermined simply because he can do whatever a spider can. But there's another more metatextual layer to this as well, which we'll talk about in just a bit. Suffice to say, though, it isn't just Miles's attitude and boundless optimism that puts him squarely at odds with the grumpy Miguel and the rest of the spider society. Rather, it's the revelation that the radioactive spider that bit Miles at Alchemax wasn't even from his universe originally. That meant that not only was Miles not supposed to become Spider-Man in Earth 1610, but it left Earth 42 without a wall-crawling superhero of its very own. And on top of that, Miguel blames Miles for doing irreparable damage to the multiverse itself when he destroyed Kingpin's Collider in the finale of Into the Spider-Verse. Although, to be fair, like, letting that Collider run uninhibited probably would have been a much worse scenario for everyone involved. But the real reason that Miguel is such a hard ass about this is because he's witnessed firsthand what can happen if you play fast and loose with the fabric of the multiverse and try to alter the canon. In Mumbaten, Miles helping Pavetta to save both the love of his life and her police captain father created a canon event. It nearly caused that universe to collapse in on itself. It's the kind of nexus event that would have the TVA deploying endless waves of temporal riot police in the MCU, and the Spider Society responds in kind. However, Miguel's biggest confession is that he lost his family in his original reality, and that may or may not be the Nueva York where the Spider Society now calls home. Instead of accepting that with great power comes great responsibility, Miguel tried to cheat the system. He found another universe where their Miguel died and replaced him. And this in turn caused an apocalypse event that seemingly consumed that reality. Now the question is, did the ensuing apocalypse caused by that canon event completely destroy that world or just do catastrophic damage? How many other realities out there collapsed in on themselves before Miguel could form the Spider Society? It's something I fully expect we'll learn a lot more about and beyond the Spider-Verse next year. But more importantly, it explains why Miguel is so obsessive in this movie. He isn't as quippy or lighthearted as the other spider people, because he's lived through the worst possible outcome more than once. He has to live with the fact that his selfishness caused the deaths of countless people. It's why he's so adamant that the life of one person, i.e. Miles's father, is a small sacrifice in the grand scheme of things if it will save billions of people across the multiverse. But there's an even deeper layer to this conflict as well, one that speaks to the very notion of what is in his not canon. Miguel is the most vocal representation of certain segments of fandom that don't believe that Miles Morales is the quote-unquote real Spider-Man. And that's not just a theory. It's something that Across the Spider-Verse co-director Justin K. Thompson confirmed to Nerdist in an interview. I remember when Miles Morales comic book first came out there were people who were rejecting Miles as a character, you know, for their reasons. That's not how we think it should be and we wanted to talk directly to that and actually t- like almost stick it to that mentality of no anyone can wear the mask Now look, if you really wanna tie things back to the theory, I suppose one could make the argument that having Miguel as part of the inheritors makes sense because he's trying to drain the fandom of all of its joy by policing it and rigidly adhering to canon in the face of a limitless multiverse. But again, I don't buy it. Because in Beyond the Spider-Verse, Miguel and others in the Spider Society will come to learn one of the most resonant ideas from the first movie. Anyone can wear the mask. When it comes to Miles Morales, he is a new Spider-Man for a new generation, and change can be scary. But as we've seen, Miles takes the true core of what it means to be a Spider-Man to heart. Whether or not he follows the same core canon events that define the other Spider-People, that doesn't matter. He's already proven that he deserves the title, and more importantly, to wear the mask. Anyway, folks, there you have it. That's everything you need to know about the theory going around about Spider-Man 2099. We'll have plenty of other deep dives into and across the Spider-Verse for you in the days ahead. For now though, tell us, what did you think of the movie? What do you think of this theory? And what do you want to see from beyond the Spider-Verse? Peter? Yeah? Yeah. Oh, Oh, sorry. Sorry. you mean? mean? Let us know in the comments below, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, make sure you stay tuned to Nerdist.com.